you're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Rosaski. This is a very special ADD Comedy with Dave Rosaski in that it's not an ADD Comedy with Dave Rosaski. This episode is actually ADD Comedy with Rose Abdu interviewing Dave Rosaski. We thought what better idea to start the new year than start the new year with a start. Rose Abdu is an alum of the Second City. She's been in Gilmore Girls, Scandal, The Grinder, Hotel Transylvania, both of them that is, The Comeback, Grey's Anatomy, and had a very moving and personal turn on parenthood. I discussed her challenge with cancer on my 2015 interview with Rose's husband, writer John Matta. That's a good one. Rose asked our mutual friends what questions they'd ask if they were to interview Dave Rosowski. The questions are probing, funny, moving, surprising, and lovely, just like Rose Abdu. Ah, our Rosie. I'll catch you on the other side. Well, this is where we're going right now. So we're on. Yeah, we're on right now. And, and, and uh, so whatever questions you have, ask the questions. And, and yeah, we can uh, edit it. But it's I'm, happening right now. It's happening right now. We can edit it, but I have no idea why we well, would Well, I'd like it. to say welcome to the ADD podcast. In January of 2016, we're flipping the script. And instead of Dave Rosowski interviewing me, Rose Abdu, it will be me, Rose Abdu, interviewing Dave Rosowski. Yeah, that's right. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's only four days old. I know, and I'm ready. New Year's a tiny little baby. I have to tell you, it's four days old, and my schedule is filling up for 2016. Isn't that a great feeling? It's crazy. Now, do you have that, I saw the Joan Rivers documentary, and she said to her, an empty calendar would be the saddest thing ever. Do you have that feeling of a full calendar gives you a lot of satisfaction? Uh, A full... Or does it give you any anxiety? Well, here's the thing. An empty calendar makes me go... I want. Okay. I'm, I'm going to fill that up. Okay. I'm filling that up. That's what I'm doing. I'm filling that up. So yesterday, I connect. Yeah, connected with people who said, you know, we might want to have you. Okay. So I connected with people and um, uh, I reached out to people in um, Madrid and Barcelona, nice. and uh, I reached out to somebody in New Zealand who said they're interested. Three cities in New Zealand. This is all yesterday. This is very exciting. Now, do you you travel all over the world? Do you ever have the moment? Before you travel, up, I don't want to. I don't want to get on the plane because we talked about how you have the TSA. You're you're a very seasoned traveler. Right. Do you ever have the moment before you travel? I know it's wonderful once you get into it and you get there where you're just like, I don't want to go. No. You don't. Never. I love that. Never. You Never. really found the thing that you're. You're so blessed to have something that you you totally look forward to it 100. It. I love the idea of a challenge, and I know that you do too. Yes, but for me, with every job, there's the moment of elation when I book it, right. and then there's the moment where I go, now I gotta go do it. That. And then I get over it, and it's wonderful, but there is always a tiny moment. So I Same wondered if me. you had that. Same thing with me. Okay. Where you go, the challenge for me okay. is in the getting That's of right. it. And the, when I say a challenge, I don't mean, what a drag. It's like, I'm gonna do this. Right. I'm gonna do this. We were watching, uh, Laura and I were watching Star Wars, and uh, in it, they use, a, they <laughs> use something that I say all the time. Do you, have you seen it? No. It's just two lines. It doesn't matter. Where where two characters, where a character says, "I can do this," and another character says, "I can do this." So, and I always felt like that's my mantra: is I can do this. Okay. I can do this. Well, I want to segue into a question we got from one of our lovely. So, do you friends. want to tell what, what how you got these questions? Yes, we have a very lovely group of friends that I'm sure you've talked about probably. Yeah, well, many, I, many of them have yeah, been on the show. Have been on the show, and I canvassed them, and they were all very eager to give me different questions. And what you're saying by seeing Star Wars and the "I can do this" reminds me of Harry Hannigan's question, which was which Star Wars character are you, Dave Rosowski? 
I thought that was an interesting question. It's an interesting question. And topical. And, and topical. And the fact is that I don't really know them. Any. Okay. I, would, I would probably be... First he said which Lord of the Rings character. And yeah, I, no, I am no. not familiar with no, any of that. So, okay. I, would, I would say it would have to be Yoda. Okay. And okay. the only reason it was happy about it is because people have said that about me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> because love you know, I, I there's a simplicity to there's a simplicity to there's something very Buddhist about Yoda, and that's that's not a that's not something that anybody doesn't know. Um, but there's a simplicity to Yoda, and I think there's also a simplicity that we can have with our life right. of saying let's just let's just get rid of all the bullshit and it. say what is it that you want, and it's the idea of I can do this. I love you know, that. and and it brings me to Mark DiCarlo's question. Why does improv matter? It's a big one. Um, I want to ask you why you think it matters, but that's not what this is. Um, <laughs> but I might ask you that. <laughs> I wondered what you would say to something like that, because when I was faced with that, I thought I would not know how to even start to answer that. Well, I think that, that improv matters because life matters. Um, and that's why improv matters. Mm -hmm. Improv matters because everything that we do matters. And when, and it goes back to the Yoda thing, um, the idea of improv matters because in improv what you do is you notice every stupid little thing. Okay. You're very good at that. You're very good. You walk into my apartment and you look at it like, oh, Everything. look at that. I have to look at the artwork and look yes. at that, look at that. And I leave all that stuff out, not because, not for any other reason other than this is the way that I live my yes, life. Yes, yes. And you it's know? very interesting it's, to me. Yes. And it's, it's and, very interesting to me, like why you would put certain things in certain places when you pass by. I want to see this, that. It's for the people who haven't ever seen it, it's a fascinating art gallery, I would call it. Your apartment is many rooms, and each room has a mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to be honest with you, you looked at the monkey and the rings yes. thing. Well, my eye always goes right to a monkey, and it also always. goes right to, to bling. There's a it's lot true, of bling in there too. True, yeah. So uh, that's that way. It needs to be straightened up. That's that way because it leads your eye into the yes. hallway door, and that's why that's that way. And everything else, like the if you notice the people that are uh, the the gymnasts over yes. there, they're all aiming towards the lamp. Yes. And that torsier is my grandmother's torsier, which then that. aims towards, and there's that little thing, that aims towards my computer, and everything is flowing. Because it's your own Rizowski feng shui. Yeah, and the feng shui has to do with, um, I have a degree in photojournalism. I was, a photo, I was, a, I was the, uh, the photo editor of a newspaper. And when you're a photo editor of a newspaper, you've got to make sure that your, your photos aim toward oh, the copy. You've got to make sure that your photos aim towards the headline. You've got to make sure that your photo aims towards where you want the where you want the, the, the to reader turn. Yes, to turn I get and it. where they want to look. Like you don't want to have something at the bottom of the page that has somebody looking down. Uh -huh. You want to have them looking up if they can or looking diagonal, I love which that. leads you into that. So, so when you decided to do that, photojournalism was in your Dave Rosowski teen years, your early twenty. Like what? How old were you when you were? My Getting dad turned degree. me on to your father photography. Turned you on My fa father turned me on okay. photography. And as a matter of fact, I'm getting his camera next time I go to Chicago. Um, uh, that was when I was maybe 13. Wow. I was and you a loved it? Did you love I it? I was right a troubled away? kid. Were you? And I was a troubled kid. Yeah. Oh, I stole shit. What about a pot? Uh, but pot, there was pot, but it was also, I would I would shoplift and I would, uh, I don't know if I've ever talked about it. I would shoplift and I would, I, I would fuck people over. Really? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. around the 13, the 13, teen 14, years? 15, yeah. 16. I was, a, I was a little fucking thief. And did you have a group of friends that were also little thieves? 
Like, were you a little band um, of uh, I mean, I did you hang with people that kind of accelerated that type of behavior? Or um, they certainly didn't tell me not to do it. Okay. Um, I just wondered if you were the ringleader or somebody egged you on, no. or it was private from even your friends. No, it was private for even my friends okay. where I would go. Okay. You know, and it was also... You just wanted to take things. I wanted to take things, but I also wanted money. Um, like, I never held anybody up. I just picture you dressed as a little Oliver character. <laughs> You're a little artful dodger. Exactly. Uh, but I would, you know, I would, I would rip off. I remember my mom going to Kroger with me, and I told this story. Maybe I told this story the Kroger. other night. I love it. Kroger. I went to Kroger. I was, I was eight, and there was a detective kit that cost 12 cents. Ooh. I remember, you know, toys. <laughs> and it was 12 cents. And It's um, quite a good deal for a detective kit. Well, I mean, it's not like you were born in the 20s. But we're talking about 1960. Still, the fact that you could get anything for 12 cents. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, it's, maybe it was 35 cents. So what? it doesn't matter. But you're right. You're right. And, and for all I know, I could be from the 20s. Um, <laughs> but I remember it, it was wintertime, and I was wearing my winter coat. And my mom I said, I want this. And my mom went, no, we're not going to get that. And I slipped it into my pocket. I was oh. in third grade. Was it small enough to put in your I was slip- Well, I had the pockets, okay. you know, the long coat sure. that had, you know, kid's coat that yeah. had like the, the weird wooden buttons that you put through. You know what <laughs> I mean? Toggle button, Dave. Toggle buttons. Sure. Toggle buttons. I, I had toggle buttons. And I remember shoving it in and then putting, like, I'm going to get, I'm going to do this. I'm and then putting my mitten over it. And I walk out of the store and we're I walking home. This. And my mom said, She saw. You stole it. <gasps> you stole it. Oh, no. You stole it. I went, No, I didn't. She goes, You stole it. And now you're lying. Um, let's see what your dad's going to say. So I got home, my dad's like, my dad and my mom talked, and my dad sat me down and go, you know better, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go back to Kroger, you had to you're going to talk to the manager, no, no. and you're going to apologize. I can't. And I was like, I walked back in, scared shitless. Oh. And my dad and, and the guy said, okay, you're lucky, we could have called the police, right? Um, and you've got great parents, and they're steering you in the right direction. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Do you know, our friend Kate Flannery asked me to ask you, what would you tell your younger self? This is what I would say. I would say, it's all going to work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all going to work out. Everything that you want to do is going to work out. Uh, like, don't have less fear, less worry, less... Be in the moment and okay. know that whatever it is that you're concerned about is going to work out. A mature thing, one of them, there's two really great things that, I, that I've worked on. One is what other people think of you is none of your business. I love that. That's really great. Yeah. And another one is this, this too will pass. And that this too will pass. And you know this very yes, well. Yes, and that I think being sick taught me that this too will pass. That's you get right. through it. You get through it. It right. feels horrible in the moment, but you just get through it. Right. You get through it. Yeah. And the moments where it seems like it's not going to pass, you just have to say, this is not real. What do you mean this is not real? Well, oh, those moments. Yeah, the moment where you're sitting there thinking, this is, you know, the little fear in your head is going, this, but this is, doesn't feel like it's ever going to pass. Right. You have to just go, this, that's not real, that right. moment. Right, that's not it real. Will that, pass. that is a moment that I, that's a moment that I'm thinking, that's a moment that I'm thinking, that's a moment that I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. That's one. That's, that's right. a moment that I'm thinking. And that's also a moment that I'm not present. Because if you say this too will pass, then you're really looking at what it is that you're doing. That's right. And if you say this won't pass, like how do you know? Right. How you do you know. know? You don't know. No. And, and this is really what I've been thinking about lately a lot too, is the concept of next. The idea of what does next mean? Because if you go this too will pass, no this won't pass, I know what's coming next. You don't know what's next until it's done. That's and then it's not called next, it's called done. <laughs> That's good. Yes. Susie Nakamura asked me to ask you, what do you do 
when you're lost. Okay, great. Yeah. That was it. Um, so it's this. Idea. And is it different than what you tell other people to do when they're lost? What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's what you asked? Yeah. Um, for me, no, no, because what I'm doing, see, this is, what I, this is what I feel like. I feel like whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm modeling for anybody watching. I am modeling. I am the model I that I that. want. I am modeling. Okay. But it's that, it's that Gandhi thing where be the change that you want to see in others. Okay. Right? So be the change that you want to see in others. And I feel like that's what I'm doing. I'm being the change that I want to see in others. Okay. So, so I'm making that change. So I'm modeling it. So whatever it is, I'm not going to tell you to do something different. There's a lot of com- there's a lot of companies that go through improvisation. There's a lot of companies that teach improv, but what they teach isn't what they do. Uh-huh. And what I love about Second City is when we were there, it's what they teach is what they is do. Is what they do. So for me, I look at that and when and 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 so going back to what you do when you're lost, when I'm lost, which doesn't happen very often, um, is this and and. Uh, we're, we talked about this before, but we lost it, so we're redoing it right now. Um, it's the idea of, um, I teach for Steppenwolf Theatre Company, and there's a woman, Alexandra Billings. Yes, and Alex adore. Love her. She's in Transparent. Um, and Alex has this concept called shattering. Yes. And it's the idea of the facade that we have is just a facade, and when something happens, and we talked about where you were, you know, when you got your diagnosis, yes. your cancer diagnosis, what, what there was a shattering though and you mentioned that where nothing from that point forward is going to be the same as it was exactly okay. so that's what we're doing we're looking for that shattering so when often when we're lost when I'm lost when I'm feeling like when I'm lost um, I'm supposed to be lost okay and when I'm lost I get to recognize that I'm lost whatever it is that it's like a gift being lost because you're going to learn something huge after you absolutely find absolutely again. there there are stories that you hear all the time of people saying well you look at Matta and the Matta napkins you know yes. like that would not have happened and go back to that episode right. if you want. We go back to that episode with, me, with John Madden and I talking. But there's the Madden napkins going, that wouldn't have happened. And, and granted, that was, that was therapeutic, therapeutic for John. Yes. It was also therapeutic for your relationship when yes. that happened as well. So there was a guy that I was teaching at the California Summer Arts Festival. Um, he was a medic in... Iraq. Yes. And uh, we're, I, I push people when I'm, I'm pushing people, I'm pushing people to, to like tell their truth and tell their truth. And I hit on something and I watched him fucking shatter, sobbing, huge black guy crying. I grabbed him and, and, he's, and he could not catch his breath. And I went, okay, let it out, let it out now. What's your name? What's my name? Where are we? What's happening? To make it so that whatever is happening in that moment, he takes a breath. There's something called the, the, the sacred breath. Okay. And there's a guy named Chan Mead Tan, Chang Mead Tan, who wrote a book uh, called Search Inside Yourself. I've mentioned it on the podcast before. And he taught a mindfulness program at um, Google. So okay. he can call it Search Inside Yourself, which is a dumb I think name. you might have just posted about the sacred yes. breath. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. I just did. Um, and he talks about the sacred breath. And that sacred breath where you go, I just shattered. I just shattered. Everything from this moment forward is different. And just to live in that idea that right now I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. And it's okay. Because okay. not knowing is knowing. When you don't, When you know that you don't know, you now know. And what you now know that. is what you don't know. Well, remember the big circles? I think it was the forum. They draw a big circle. Here's what you don't know. Here's what you don't know. And here's what you know. And then in the middle where they intersect is what you didn't know you didn't know. Yep. 
what you know, what you don't know, and what you don't know, you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. And it's what Martin, it Martin Demont used to say. to figure that out. Yeah, but once you figure that out, <laughs> yeah. you just release it. And Mick know. says, Mick Napier says, he says, you know, here's some words that you could say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And when you're improvising on stage, when you're improvising in, in, on stage and you don't know, that's as legitimate as I'm angry. Uh-huh, uh-huh. When you're lost, that's as legitimate as I'm in love. So everything, the only source of suffering is non-acceptance. So it's the idea of here we are right now. This is what it is that I have. And I love what it is that I have. And I accept what it is that I have. Very interesting. Now, when you're doing that, is there a moment where you as the leader, their guide, whatever you want to call yourself, their teacher, do you have a moment of just slight panic when that happens? or are When you, what happens? Well, when you see someone that shatters, you've mm-hmm. pushed the buttons, they've shattered. Do you feel satisfied? Do you feel anxiety? Do you feel, oh good, this is he's at the edge of a breakthrough? Do you feel excitement for the person? I feel alive, mm-hmm. and I wish that that was a, an emotion. Uh-huh. I feel alive, I feel like this human being has just courageously shared something with us mm-hmm. that she or he has never shared before. Because I think it's brave to be the witness to it and to be the person that yeah. guides them through that. Absolutely. And when you're in another country, because you travel extensively, one of our friends, I think it was either Nia Vardellas or Mark DiCarlo asked, how does improv differ in other countries? And you're in a place where, let's say you're in Germany, and this culture is very different, and you're not speaking German. And and have you experienced differences in, um, are the people more open, less open? It's... Uh, <laughs> it's about culture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and again, it's about culture. And the culture... Do you is, feel there's any way to prepare yourself for the different cultures that you're no, about? No, but there's no, just, you just, you, just as you can't prepare yourself for what that class is going to be. That's right. You know, the idea that... And, and here's the thing. Uh, the, the, the great Vietnamese monk, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, has a book called Mindfulness or Unmindfulness or something. And he says, when you're making tea, make tea. Mm. You're not drinking the tea, you're making the tea. Okay. When you're, sh- and, and this is what I say, when you're taking a shower, be in the shower. And so what I ask my students is, this morning when you took a shower before you came over here, say you took a shower before you came over here, were you taking a shower or were you already over here? Because I got Oh, that's good. You're already, you're in the yes, shower. Yes, So when yes. I'm about to teach a class, I walk in and I go, I have no idea what this is going to be. That's so brave to me. I think it's brave. But what, we do it all the time, right? I feel like it's brave. Why do you feel like it's brave? It's something that gives me little butterflies. So whenever it's something that I have those feelings about, I feel like it's brave. Uh-huh. I, mean, I feel downhill skiing is brave. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's the same thing yeah. where you're, you're at the top of this thing and you go, uh, you're at the top of this mountain and you're saying, here we go. Here we fucking go. Now, when you're in some place, like I remember we were talking a little bit about your experience of teaching improv in some place like Germany. And you come across, talk a little bit about the, the guy you met. That... Oh, yeah. So, you know, so he was the guy that brought me in, you know, at, we took a break and he said, I can't, um, you, it seems like you're yelling at me Interesting. and I'm not able to hear you because you're yelling so much. Uh, you're yelling and I can't hear you. And, and, and I said, you know, in, in classes here in the States, I go, I say, I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling with you. You just haven't started yelling yet. So that. for me, what I love about that is like, I want, and again, goes back to, I am going to be a model for what it is that I want you yes. to be. I am going to be. 
I get to sit and watch somebody be in response to that. That's right. I get to, and so there was a woman in a class that I was teaching, and every time a guy walked on stage, she backed away, or she had some kind of kinesthetic response to what it was happening. And I said, and I stopped the class, and I was, and I said, Debbie, every time a man walks in, your you, this kinesthetic response that you're having. Somebody in your life is you're experiencing a male in your life that is making that you're taking this up on stage. And she broke down crying, saying that her husband is a junkie and something they're getting divorced and he got custody. And I went, oh boy. And at that moment, I have to be careful. Yes. Because that is a moment that is not meant to be a in public front moment. of everyone. Okay. Right. That's but it's something moment. you observed and probably very cathartic for her. It was amazing. But how did she handle it? She, I stopped. I, I stopped the class, and I and I um, and I talked. I made a phone call to somebody who's in Al-Anon, and I connected her with somebody in Al-Anon, uh, and I saw her on the street here not too long ago, and she said, "My life is totally different." Uh, like, That's great. And that brings us back to why it is improv matter. Uh, right. Exactly. When something like that can happen. Right, and improv matters because. Your life matters. Everything you do matters. Every fucking thing that you're going through matters. Do you find that it's... I haven't been in an improv class in many years. And I enjoyed it when I did it. I think I did. Do you find that people still... Because what you're describing in these past two situations, whether it's the guy or, or the lady that you're just talking about or Doc, are not funny. That's not funny. No. Do you, are there still people that think of improv as we're going to go and be really funny? Um, I, I can't. Uh, there was a, somebody that advertised one of my classes in a foreign country who said, um, learn to be funny. I was like, you got to take that down. Right. That's not what we're right. doing. That's not what I'm doing. No, that's what, that's what UCB is So I want to know if there's a holdover from the back in the day of like... Oh, there's, yeah, there's definitely because people see, like, what do people know about, about they know whose line is it anyway. That's right. That's what they know. You know, that's all that they know. And there's a place for that. I oh, just, clearly, but that's but not what I teach. I remember Don DiPolo, my first teacher, saying if anyone was trying to be jokey or tell jokes, he would ask them very nicely to just step aside. Yeah, my classes are are about this. It's a master class on being present, mindful, and aware, and that's what it is. That's great. And what and also ends up happening is we get, you get to take, one of the takeaways in your swag bag mm -hmm. is your the realization that what you what you think improvisation is, is. Yeah. All right. Um, there's a lot of people that are teaching comedy, and I, I'm not one of them. I'm not teaching no. comedy. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure very funny things happen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But the thing is that very funny things happen if you fucking don't worry about what's next. That's right. That's right. But is it difficult in any way not to judge? You've done this so much that you say, I know what this girl's going to be like. I know what that guy's going to be like. I know what. It's I would find it very hard to not do that. But here's the thing. Mm -hmm. You get to do that, and then they show that you're wrong. Oh, interesting. So and you, do they often surprise you? And they often surprise you. So I go, okay, I'm going to be wrong. Okay. This is what I think that you are. Okay. I think that there was a woman that was, like, when I'm challenged, mm -hmm. and I go, you're challenging me. And this is all that's happening is mm -hmm. you're challenging me, and that's it. You know, and later on going, oh, fuck, she was, that was really hard. That was really, really hard. And she said, this changed my life. And you have enough people doing that. And then after a while you say, look at the waste of time that I had judging her. I love that. You know? Yeah. Um, there, so I teach, I teach in, uh, I was teaching in Edinburgh. I was teaching a class where somebody, you know, there's a lot of movement, a lot of walking around, a lot of it. 
And I'm like, I cannot wait to teach this. It's it's uh, called The Viewpoints. I can't wait to teach this spatial relationship. And I'm going in, going, I fucking love it. I love movement and tempo and, and people's shapes and bodies. Architecture. And archi- exactly, all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. Like, all that stuff. I love it so much. And uh, I'm going through my notes just as before this class started. And I turn, and there's a guy in a wheelchair. Wow. Now, that has never happened. Or I go, well, that is not what I expected to happen. That's never happened. There's a guy in a wheelchair. And at that moment I go, okay. And so what do you do? This is what you do. You go up and say, I didn't expect someone to be in a wheelchair because he knows he's in a wheelchair. That's right. You know, and, he's, and I said, what are your limitations? Uh-huh. And he said, none. And I went, you said it. Perfect. And there were none. Perfect. Because he's in a wheelchair. Here's his limitations. There are none. He can do what it is that he can do. And that is such a huge thing, too, is we do what we're capable of doing. That's right. And and if we do what we're capable of doing, right? So I can't expect you to eat this house, the game show. I can't expect you to eat this house because you're not capable of doing it. So I can't be angry at you for not doing that. So whatever his limitations are, they're not limitations. He's just not capable of doing it. I like that. You learn, you learn so much every time you do this. Yeah, and 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 again, if you come in with expectations and you're just seeing if they're going to be matched, you're missing out on what's really happening. That's heavy. I feel like Yenny Alvarez asked me to ask you if you could be anyone. Or if you could do anything in the world, what would you be doing? I'm doing it. I knew it. I knew you were going to say that. That's I'm why I just wanted it. to say it. Because the more you're talking about it, you're really just doing it. Nobody else is doing this. No. And, and I think that when... There's a couple of things that happen when you're born. One thing is this. And that's Stephanie Bell Blondell's question. Why were you put on this earth? Wait, hold on. Okay. Okay, great. Good. I'm going to answer it. Mm-hmm. Um, two things should happen when you're born. Someone sing happy birthday to you the moment you come out yes. and never sing it to you again. Interesting. Because you never have another birthday. There's got to be another song. Celebration that's... of your birth. Celebration of your birth. Exactly. Celebration of your birth. Which doesn't even have to be close David, to that song. David, someone's going to patent that. You know what I mean? Yep. Like you get, get one it. happy birthday that's and birth. that's it. That's your birthday. And, and that's your birthday and that's the only time we sing happy birthday. <laughs> and, and you know with us, we don't sing happy <laughs> birthday. <laughs> As the candles come up. Um, and another thing is um, you should be given a birth certificate okay. and an acceptance of employment. You can't hold that. Your hands are way too tiny. You would have somebody do it for you. <laughs> okay. That's your first assistant okay. is your mom. So the moment you should you be get handed, you get a birth certificate. That's one thing. You get okay. two documents. You get a birth certificate and you get an employment uh, form. Okay. And the employment form is this. You were hired to be Rose Abdu. Okay. Congratulations. You got the job. Now go and be that job. Okay. My, I am put on this earth to be Dave Rosaski. Yes. There was one opening. Okay. There were two. One that I went through <laughs> and the other one that gave me the job when they named me. So when the moment that I'm named, that's my job. My job is to be Dave Rosaski. That's right. When I'm Dave Rosaski. No Zaski, one else. No one else. So here's the thing about being Dave Rosaski. I have the best boss in the world, and I also have the best employees in the world. I love that so much. Because I once said, if I spoke to myself, my assistant, Rose Abdu, the way I talked sometimes to Rose Abdu, she would quit. 
Right. You know? Right. So I learned to teach my assistant, Rose Abdu, to treat her better because she's my number one assistant. She's your number one assistant. She's also your boss. Yeah. She's my boss. She's a great boss. She's a great boss. And but sometimes I mean to my extra Rose Abdu. Like I know what you're saying. You you have one you you're you you're you and you're the people that work for you and with you and are you. Yes. There's one job. There's you. There's just you. Mm-hmm. And you live in you. And you get to be you the get to Eunice li- of you. What's that? The Eunice of you. The Eunice of you. And what if your name is Eunice? Then you get to be the Eunice of Eunice. Eunice. There cannot be one person. There's not a baby in a nursery. In the world right now, name Eunice. I think you're wrong. I, well, if I'm wrong, there might be two. And there might be one in Brooklyn and one in Berkeley. I keep thinking about Eunice and Eustace. Eustace. I've been hearing that name lately. Yeah, Eustace. That's an unfortunate fucking name to it's give somebody. so true. Eunice. You know what? But the name Eunice is really a great name. There was a guy who was, I remember like three or four years ago, he was in obituary. And his name was wonderful. He was wonderful. His actual name was wonderful. His actual birth name, black guy. I people called him one. What's wrong with that? Great, great His name name was wonderful. It's a great name. Wonderful's here. I really like that name. It's really a great name. I want to name a pet wonderful. Mm Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Get off the couch, wonderful. That's it. Uh, My friend Al wanted to name his dogs Daddy and Grandpa. (laughs) That's like that old Louis C.K. joke of naming your children ladies and gentlemen so that you could say, ladies and gentlemen, please, every time they were running around. <laughs> you have a cat. Billy. Billy. And Billy has sort of a mustache. Yeah. Billy's a, one of the, what, what, what I would call a, a Charlie Chaplin, Chaplin cat. But yeah. other people call it a hit. Ian Gomez's question for you is, do you like cats? And did you like cats? Oh, I see. Yeah. Lovely. Uh-huh. Uh, never saw cats. Okay. But I so do memory like... alone in the moonlight is not a part of. No, I have never, none of that. I never none of that matters. I never. I've never seen cats. I've never seen phantom. This isn't my interview, and yet I felt like I needed to tell her. Did you? I once went to. I Nia said this once to me. She said, "I've never seen the Wizard of Oz." That's what she interesting. said. Interesting. She said that to me. Really. And I thought, how could you not have seen the Wizard? That of is very. She said, "I've never seen the Wizard of Oz." Really. And then, later on. I asked her if she had, okay. and I wasn't sure if she was kidding me or not. Okay. I think that since that, she's certainly she's seen, seen it. She's seen it. I have never seen Star Wars from start to finish. Uh, great. I've yeah. never seen. I've never seen any of those TV shows. This which Empty ones? Nest. Okay. Uh, Full House. Okay. I've never seen those. <laughs> okay. Three's Company. I've never seen those. Never. So it's not part of your. Because no. one thing I remembered with touring with Second City is we seemed to the group of people, any given tour company in a van, have. Childhood TV in common. That's something I noticed is that people See, had an affinity, but you were not one But of those, them. but when you say childhood TV, well, you're, I mean, you're not like talking vintage about vintage TV. But, that, sort of, but you're not talking about shows that were on the air while we were on the road. True, true. Because the shows that were on the That's air true. while we were on the road. We watched that. We couldn't we were watch on the those shows. No, there's a big chunk of time exactly I missed. Exactly. Yes, where, that's right. But that's why the real life Brady Bunch, you were never on that, were you? No. Yeah. But so I loved what, the original Brady Bunch. Right. Yes. Right. That's when we would come home from school and watch things like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah we yeah. would watch the three But stages. I mean, there was a passion for old-timey TV with the with improvisers that I loved. Right. 
Yeah. I, f- I, f- I, f- I felt like these are my people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. I felt like I still feel like those are my people. Yeah. You know? And I was thinking about it today where I was thinking, because I've been going through all, all my old tapes and thinking, these are my people. Yeah. And, I, 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 and these are my people. Oh, I had a dream last night that Carell was in. So, uh, because uh, we watched The Big Short. The Big Short, yeah. And then I texted him saying, great job. Yeah. He texted me back going, great. Thank you so much. Happy New Year. I'm like, there you he go. He was extraordinary in that. I yeah, think. he was really extraordinary. And his hairdo was extraordinary. He gained I mean, 25 he pounds. He really looked like, yes, physically and, and in the way is, I mean, just he just looked like a completely Wasn't that, different person. And I forgot who directed it. And then I was reminded. But I, I, as we're watching him think, this is a Harold. Yeah. And then Adam McKay yeah. directed it. So, of course it's Harold, yes. because Adam McKay fucking directed it. That's right. That's right. Very interesting observation, a Harold. Yeah. Yeah. And I've but been But I asked... do like cats. Okay. The I ca- do like cats, cats, the actual I animal. I like cats, okay. the animal, cats. I, I have an affinity for dogs, because dogs, you can really That's hold right. on and hug a dog and be with a dog. And you can't really do that. Especially not with our cat. No. No, our cat would, do not want to be, does not want to be hugged or held uh, and very often she will tell you we're done with the petting, with the petting, and it turns into something else after that. How do you still have an interest in? I mean, improv is life, and you you're very interested in doing this work. You can see your passion for it. It's like, do you think if someone said to you, "Well, I remember back in the day I used to improvise, but I just don't have any interest in it anymore." What would you say to them? Well, I, you know, I was really shocked when Pete Gardner said, "I don't want to do it anymore." I was really shocked. I know there must be other people like that. Yeah. yeah. So I like how you're kidding yourself. You're wrong. Mm-hmm. But what he wanted was he really wanted to be more of a, he wanted to he wanted to take that skill that he had mm-hmm. and do put Apply on stage mm-hmm. and put on stage and mm-hmm. he did and he does and he's a great. Yeah. He's great. Mia also asked me to ask you, who in the group smells the best? What group? And if it's your group of friends. And if it's her, is it the bacon smell? I just thought that was a very, <laughs> very funny question. Um, who smells the best? <laughs> Someone really does smell. You know who smells really good is, I think Tracy smells good. She Tracy smells Thor. great. I think she really you smells great. You know who else great. smells fantastic? John Matta. John Matta does smell good. He smells so good. John Matta asked me to ask you. Wait, let's just talk for a minute about smells. Okay. Sometimes I'll be sitting in a place and I'll watch somebody walk by and I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll stand in their whiff I as they walk by totally and go, agree. what does that smell like? What do they you smell know, like? You know, I flew, I was very lucky to be gifted with a trip to New York this past month. Oh, and yeah. I flew in the big flatbed. American Airlines reclining bed. Yep. The stewardess smelled so good. Every time she walked by, I wanted to go, excuse me, what was your cologne? And I couldn't I couldn't get her attention. And it just, I couldn't figure out how to do it without sounding creepy. Um, you, could, you could say, you smell really good. And I do that all the time. I will really hug somebody good. and say, see, see, you have a relationship with people. And certainly when you're, when you're an improv teacher, you get a relationship with people that, you know, you don't take advantage of. It's not like, but you get to say things like, you really smell good or your skin's really soft, <laughs> you know, or that shirt, it's cashmere, right? Because I do a lot of people sitting. A lot of touching, a lot of smelling. A lot of touching, a lot yeah. of touching. Intimate. It's, it's intimate, yes. but there's that intimacy and you're able to, you know, you talk about, uh, there's an intimacy that you get with people where you go, I... Uh, 
I, I, so the first thing I do is I sit people down and, and, and I go, okay, this is not your typical improv class. I'm here to teach you to be aware of everything that's going on in the world and you have to be aware of everything we start here. This is where we start. So whatever it's going to do, and I'm modeling this for you, and I know we talked about this just a moment ago, I'm modeling this for you so that you can look and go, and you, could, you can live your life and say, what is it that, how is David living large? Mm -hmm. How is it that I'm living large? I'm living large. We're living large. And I'm living large, and what does living large mean? Living large means tactile, food, okay. clothes. All the senses. All the senses. Exploring All the senses. senses. And, and you're perfect at it because, you know, the smell and the look and the, and, and the, the accessorizing mm -hmm. and the putting it together. And I get a lot of pleasure out of it. And that's the whole thing mm -hmm. is you're doing it not because you have to do it. You're doing it because you get to do it. Right. And that's true of every fucking thing that we do in our lives is I get to sit here and to be mindful of everything that's happening. And it may not be what it is that I've anticipated it to be, but that's the improv way of life, of right. saying, that's not, you know, yeah, okay. Like, I wanted to come dressed in the colors of your cat. And you did. And I have a lot of satisfaction for matching the cat. Yeah. I don't oh, know yeah. why, and I don't yeah. care. To have a cat as an accessory is pretty damn good. <laughs> you know, it's really, really good. And it's something that Laura does, too, my girlfriend. Laura now, did. you talked about, like, yes, you you can smell, take in people's smells and, and touch, feels and... I've broken up with women because I didn't like the way they smelled. Of course. Smell is very important. Oh, my God. Important. Oh, my God. Now, speaking of breaking up with women, or women in general, you have because it's intimate work that you do, you have met people that you have had love relationships with through your work. Right. And do you think that that's something that took you by surprise? I mean, it certainly can't be something you go into a class thinking like, this is going to be the one where I meet. But you, you've met significant well, relationships in your life through your work. But so have you. Yes. No, not through my work. Well, in a way. Have I? Well, look at the core. Look at all of our friends. Yes, but I mean intimate love relationships. Well, okay, but but the relationship that you have with these friends is very intimate. True, very true. And so, for me, you know... But I, I just wondered if that was just a great, like, you, that, be, you, you get to know people. You get to know... In other words, there might be a shortcut of language after you, you're involved with the person because you've seen... A very intimate side of them. And that's really true. It's not like being on a first date when you're on a first date if you've met someone through your through your teaching. Right. right. And when people say to you, when people when people enroll in your class, there's an understanding right away that I'm going to ask you to have not a physical intimacy, of course, uh -huh. but I'm going to ask you to be intimate with yourself. That's and right. I don't mean again a sexual intimacy. I'm asking you to open yourself up to that which will change you. So there and has so, to be a trust. Uh, so we do short That's we do right. shortcut. There are shortcuts, and the shortcuts are: What are you feeling right now? Uh -huh. I'm giving you permission the moment that you walk in here. I'm giving you permission to feel the feelings you're feeling right now. Uh -huh. And I, and and what I'm in my classes because they're small and they're intentionally small and they cost more because they're small. Uh -huh. um, because I gotta I gotta make money, right? I gotta make money. Um, this hairdo does not do itself. <laughs> so <laughs> so the thing like so there's a shortcut and the shortcut is always like let's just get with it what are you feeling right now uh -huh. and the classes are small so that you can feel the feeling you're feeling the moment that you're feeling those feelings so you can feel the feeling you're feeling the moment that you're feeling those feelings and we're going to stop and I'm going to go you were changed in that moment weren't you and I'm not in a hurry to get to anywhere uh -huh. I'm in a hurry I'm no hurry what I'm, what I'm here to do is I'm here to say you just change I watch your breath change uh -huh, uh -huh. I watch your breath change and someone will go like well, yeah. Why'd your breath change? Well, I ran out of things to talk about. Okay, great. Why'd you run out of things to talk about? You ran out of things to talk about because you just discovered something new to talk about. 
And so what you just did in that moment was you abandoned, I'm sorry, you surrendered uh-huh. that last emotional content and now you get to have this content. Now, the same way that you have broken up with people if you don't like their smell, I mean, everyone's done that. Have you ever been involved, because it's so intimate what you do, that there are, there's a way that people would become attracted to you? Of course, you're attracted to any teacher that's teaching you something that's exciting and new, no matter what that you've gotten into a situation where the, a person is attracted to you that you think, I don't, I don't feel the same. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah like oh my I, God, I oh my God, yeah. How yeah, that yeah, works. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they yeah, kind yeah. of want to follow you or become a yeah. little bit, not oh, obsessed with you, but you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, so how do you navigate that? How do you handle that? Um, you, it takes two it, to tango. Okay. And if I know that you're asking me to do something that I'm not interested in, I will come out and say I'm not interested in it. And if you keep doing it, then that's your thing. Do you find that by doing this, it's made it easier for you to uh, be direct with, with... Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I would think because it's a practice. I mean, let's say your younger self, if you had a hard time telling someone, listen, I just don't feel that same way. This is just a... You get to just be... Quicker. I get to be quicker and I also get to be honest because I know what dishonesty means. Right. Dishonesty means that somebody's not going to understand what it is that you're saying. Right. And and uh, in improvisation, there's two things that I have people avoid. And one is sarcasm because it's not the uh-huh. truth. Uh-huh. And one is politeness because it's not the truth. Uh-huh. And if, you, if I'm being polite to you, I'm giving you the wrong message. Because the message is this. I'm not interested in going out with you. I am not interested in. We can be friends. Uh-huh. But please know that whatever it is that you think this is going to be it's is not, not what it is. And I've had people... It's much kinder to just do it, it. It's kinder. And the thing is, like, at that moment, I get to walk away and say, I said what it was that that's I wanted right. to say. Whether or not you heard it is not of my concern. And that's and again, because right. I've said it to you. And I've I, had... Last year, I had somebody really say something, like, do some stuff that I was like, you got, you can't do that. You mm-hmm. can't you can't do that. And then they make it public on, uh, on, on Facebook. I'm like, you can't do that. You know, we were talking a couple of months ago about Facebook, and you were saying that people... Um, Something about being political or, or were wondering if that was being criticized or whatever for your page. And I remember saying to you, that's your page. You get to do whatever you want on your page. And I look at your page, any post from you, for me, because I've known you for so long, I'm excited by the food pictures, travel, political things, because your page to me is your, that's your, your stage. Right. That's your improv. That's your the same way that we would take suggestions in the set of any topic of the day or political. That's your opinion. And it's it also out. my relationship with everybody out in the world because when I'm traveling a yes. lot, I'm alone. That's right. And so my relationship is I'm, I'm meeting strangers, but I'm meeting them. Yeah. Uh, but it's also what's my connection to mm-hmm. at home. And do you like keeping people around? Do you do you find yourself you dismiss the people that uh, are. Well, of course, if someone's criticizing your political beliefs on your page, you have, you're well within your right to be like, goodbye, delete. Uh, from- or do you like keeping people, because you put up things, you're not afraid to put up big stands, like you know how, how you feel about, let's say, gun control or whatever. Do you like to keep people in your circle of friends, on your comment threads that, that have differing opinions? I, there are some people that I will. Because there was one guy that is just into guns. Mm-hmm. He's just into guns and into guns and into guns. And I can't remember how I know him. You know, I, I just can't remember it. And then, you know, I, I, what I will do is if we're having this intense conversation, I will take it off of the front lawn and I will make it private into it. Private message. And I'll, and I'll private message uh-huh, it because uh-huh. it's like this is not doing anybody and I'll probably end up deleting what it was originally said. And, and I said to him, I go, I don't understand. 
understand why we're friends anymore. I don't know how come you're my friend. I just don't know. And he said, because we both love improv. Interesting. And I went, you got me. Wow. You got me. And then I know how to talk to him. Yes. And then he knows how to talk to me. And every once in a while he'll say something. And what I love is, I love the friends that we have. Where if, if yeah, I, there are certain people that when they come in, I know, you know what? I can step away mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because this smart person is now taking control of the, of the conversation. Of the conversation. And I love the way that that person thinks. It's a very different way of thinking than, was, than anybody ever thought that Facebook would be. Yes. John Mayda asked me to ask you, in what ways are you being perceived that you're unaware of? I don't know that. That's what I said. And it go, again, it goes back to whatever you think about me is none of my business. Right. Um, I've mentioned this before where, you, where you know, you're on stage and you know what this feel, what feels like where you're, you're about to improvise a great line and you think it's really going to kill the house, the house is going to just die mm-hmm. from laughter. And you go, I'm about to say something that's really going to just fucking rock the world. And then you say it and there's no laugh at all. Mm-hmm. At that moment, I remember, <laughs> at that moment, I remember thinking, oh, okay, they're not laughing because they're thinking how great it is that I am. They're going through their my resume in their mind and thinking, God, look at that. I am so lucky to be watching Dave Rosaski <laughs> on stage right now, which is just as big a lie as he sucks. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So as long as I'm going to think what other people are thinking, I'm either going to think, you think that I'm great, or I'm not going to pay attention to what you're thinking. <laughs> That's awesome. He also asked me to ask you, what do you have that you cannot live without? Hmm. Um, what I have that I just can't live without. Yeah, what do you have? This is, question comes from John Matta. What do you, what do you have that you cannot live without? Um, I love my brain. You cannot live without I cannot brain. live without my brain. It's interesting that you went for something that's part of your anatomy, and I was wondering if it's something you have, you own. Well, I, for me, I look at it and I go, I don't know what, something that I have that I own. I mean, I love my girlfriend very much. Mm-hmm. I love Lauren. She's listening to this and I love her very much. I love her very much too. She's pretty awesome. Yes, she's really, she really a fucking is. awesome person. And you met her through? I met her through improv. Improv. Um, which I didn't really finish that last sentence, but what can I, uh, that I can't live without. And I, I love my girlfriend and I don't want her to leave me and I don't want her to leave and I don't want her not to be in my life but I travel a lot mm-hmm. and I know that she's still here um, and when I had a dog and you know Boyd yes. you knew Boyd and Boyd lived in this apartment he was a Buddha he was Buddha he was really a Buddha he For was sure. really Buddha and uh, what's that? For sure For sure and Beth Lackey was here mm-hmm. when he sharted Oh floor. my, I didn't and know that. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. God bless. And Beth was so good with She's him. She's very good with dogs. She's awesome. She's yes. awesome with everything. But um, Boyd, we put Boyd down uh, three years ago, December 26th. And uh, I live without him because it's not about living that he was. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what I mean by that okay. is he's a spirit and he is not gone. So he never... He's just in a different form. Yeah, And and here's the thing. He was never... It's like he can't die because he was never alive. You know, it's this thing of like, he is a spirit. He's just a spirit. And a spirit is always there. It's always going to be there. It's always there. So when Boyd is gone, Boyd is still here. When I am away, Laura is not gone. She's just not here. The moment that you you start... uh, The moment that that, that you have a relationship with something, it never goes away. You can't unrelationship that. that, you know, like like my relationship with my ex-wife. You know, we have a relationship. The relationship is this. 
we don't talk anymore. Okay. That's the relationship. So can I live without Katie? Um, I, there's no choice. I, 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 I'm living with Katie. I will never not live without Katie. Okay? Uh-huh. So, my brain. I can't live without my brain. No. I love my brain. Why I wouldn't love you? It. Why wouldn't you? I think a lot of people don't love their brain. That's not... That's a hard way to go. That's a fucking hard way to go. They don't like the way they I think. I read one time that every time you learn something new, your brain gets a new wrinkle. So I thought when I was little, it was a long time ago, that the ultimate diss would be, you're such a smooth brain. <laughs> I think right. that's a great diss. You're a smooth I think that brain. Is a great you don't have any knowledge, no wrinkles. I think smooth it's a great diss. Was it, was it you? And you have can... a really wrinkly, pruny brain. I cannot. <laughs> I, and for me, I, because I look at I look at stuff all the time. And do, and, I, and here's another thing: is everybody that we hang around with yeah. wrinkles my brain. Yes. And has wrinkled brains of their own. Space. And has wrinkled brains of yes. their own. And yes. if you've got a wrinkled brain and you have a meeting with another with a, with a, with somebody else, you're wrinkling their brain. That's right. You know, and who wants their brain ironed or washed? <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want. I don't want either of those things. No. And uh, because and what I love about Laura is she makes me laugh in ways that she makes me think. She makes me laugh. She makes me a better person. Thanks. And the thing that we have with all of our friends uh-huh. is uh, is is they make us a better person. And I find. That to be true, and also, I'm very interested in their families, you know? I love the way, I think that the people that we know, the way they talk about the people they're blood-related to is endlessly entertaining. Yes. You know? Yes. I mean, if you ever start a story about your family, I'm all in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the fact that my uncle Mort just died. Yes, you know this and, is what I was that. thinking of. And, and, and when you think about that, you're like, okay, that guy's gone, yeah. but he's not gone. But he's not gone. But now there's stories that I could tell that I would never tell in front of people because I'd be afraid that he would hear it. Right, and you now know? you can tell them. And now we can tell them. <laughs> and uh, you know, going to the wake and uh, all of us sharing the information, going, you know, when we were talking to the to the rabbi about what do we want to talk about at, the, at his at his ceremony. You know, we, we kept going to the dark side. I'm like, you know, we can't talk about that, but we can talk about it now. We can't talk about it in front of people. But if we want to share the dark side, we've got to share the dark side because that fucker had a dark side. Interesting. You know, he really had a dark side. And it's comforting to share that with people that also knew him. Any way that we can feel like we're not alone in this world mm-hmm. is the greatest thing on the planet. And so I think about... It's the greatest thing in, in the universe, we'll say. Uh, so when I think about what, uh, what, what Facebook offers or what the internet offers or what our connectivity offers, there's no way of getting the toothpaste back in the tube. I mean, all that stuff is around because we're craving to not feel alone. Connections, yes. I think that's a great place to wrap it up, even though we'll never wrap it up. Great. I'll be talking to you in my car on the way home. Love it. To myself. And somehow you'll know that I'm still talking to you. Great. We'll never stop talking. No. No matter if we're in the same city or not, or in the same room or not. Great. It'll just keep going. This is how I, uh, this is how I always end up going, uh, I think that's it. And I think that's it. No, Rose, I will never stop talking to you. We will never stop talking to each other. Even if we don't speak, we won't stop. <laughs> Thank you for... Well, hosting ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski, and thank you for wrinkling my brain, and thank you for reaching out to our friends to elicit some great questions. And thank you to my dear friends who asked those great questions through Rose Abdu. I'm a pretty lucky guy. 
ADD Comedy with Dave Rizowski. Also, thanks Laura Parker, my co-producer and, well, my partner. My dear friend, musician extraordinaire Al Rose for our theme song, I Feel Like a Million Dollars, from Al's album Sad Go Lucky. And we thank you, our listeners. If you liked our show, give us a positive note on iTunes, won't you? If you're interested in having me at your theater, your improv school, your corporate event, your coronation, please drop me a line at dave at addcomedy.com. Thanks, and we'll hear you in our ears.